This episode features dramatizations of claustrophobia and sleep paralysis. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Please note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any single depiction of the Mara. Today's episode combines elements from a number of Western and Northern European legends and stories for dramatic effect. Hello everyone, I'm Vanessa Richardson, and welcome to Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. Light your lanterns and join me as we finish our journey through the fog of the darkest nightmares. We've traveled through the Caribbean, Guatemala, and the Philippines, but now we'll head to Europe. There we'll meet a creature tiny enough to sneak through a keyhole, but powerful enough to crush your lungs with one step. Not to mention, she's the origin of the word nightmare. This is the final episode of Mythical Monsters, Nightmare Creatures. Next week, we'll be back with a brand new season, Monsters of Disease. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Coming up, a monster waits at the end of your bed. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's happened to many of us. 20 to 45% of us, at least as historian Owen Davis writes in the journal Folklore, sometimes just before sleep or just after waking, your body sits in slumber, but your mind does not. Your limbs feel stuck, your tongue heavy, you struggle to move, but you can't. You're immobilized. In a panic, you try to scream, but your closed mouth stifles the sounds. Shapes appear on the edge of your vision, but you can't turn your head. Maybe you even struggle to close your eyes. This experience, commonly known as sleep paralysis, has been known to last up to 30 minutes in some individuals, and it gets worse. 
for 5 to 20% of the population, the standard version of sleep paralysis is accompanied by choking sensations, pressure on the chest, and vivid, terrifying hallucinations. These particularly intense sleep paralysis episodes have often been referred to as nightmares. Writers from around the ancient world have been commenting on the concept of the nightmare since at least 400 BCE. Both physicians and philosophers have argued the cause, attributing it to everything from stomach distress to sexual repression. But Western and Northern European legend offers a far more frightening explanation. The Old Norse called her the Mara, the Germans the Mar, the Anglo-Saxons said the Mare. The Mara has appeared in many forms of Gothic art throughout the centuries. In some iterations, the monster appears demonic, with heavy masculine features and a stocky, childlike body. In others, she's witch-like, a lithe shape seemingly made of darkness. Whatever her appearance, her behavior generally remains the same. And while there are a few ways to defeat her, there's no way to do it alone. Leo Fritsch was named after the village's greatest warrior, his father. To avoid confusion, everybody called him Leo instead. They said 13 was too young for such a big name. But he knew that when he got older, he'd earn it. He'd wear glittering bronze armor and carry a heavy shield and sword. He'd also be married to the most beautiful woman in the village. Leo was certain that woman would be none other than Wolfren. Wolfrin had long, wild hair, deep and black as night. Her skin had a permanent glow, as if she was bathed in moonlight. Like Leo, she was fearless and funny. The pair were the same age and got along well. Wolfrin even let Leo call her Wolfie. He was the luckiest boy in the world. Leo and Wolfrin sat on Wolfrin's bed, as they often did when the weather outside was too cold. Leo loved looking around the room she shared with her six sisters. Their cots pressed up against the wall, hiding their secrets. It was an insight into her mysterious world, especially when it was just the two of them. The pelts on her cot were soft and multicolored, some dappled and brindled. Her extra socks and gloves hung on a small hook, and just below them on the floor were her newest pair of boots. Leo paused. Wolfie, why are your shoes arranged backwards? Wolfrin looked down. Leo was correct. Her boots were set up in front of her bed, the toes facing toward the bed with the right shoe on the left side and the left shoe on the right side. Wolfrin looked at Leo funny. To ward off the Mara, of course. Leo considered pretending he knew what she was talking about, but Wolfrin always knew when he was lying. What's Amara? He watched as Wolfrin's face turned grave before explaining, Amara is a witch or a demon. She comes at night, sits on your chest, and steals your breath. You might be able to strike a bargain by offering her a gift. That way, she returns the next night, buying you more time. That only works for so long, though. Best to ward her off altogether by fixing your shoes like so. 
she pointed at the boots before continuing, also recite this just before bed. I lay me here to sleep. No nightmare shall plague me until they swim all the waters that flow upon the earth and count all the stars that appear in the firmament. Thus help me, God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Wolfrin held up her hands in prayer, then nodded. See, easy as that. But you must do it every day, Leo. Every day. Special promise? Leo nodded eagerly. Since they were young, Wolfie swore she could read Leo's thoughts. She coined the term special promise just for them. They would think their promise to one another. Only then, in the safety of their mind, was the promise official. Though he was too old to believe that she could read his thoughts, Leo liked humoring Wolfren. It made him feel noble. He gritted his teeth and thought as hard as he could, I swear to remember. And he did try. But one day, as often happens with little boys, he forgot. In all fairness, Leo had kept his promise for several months, but this had been a busy day. He'd spent it helping his father prepare to head off to battle. While his father was away at war, Leo was the man of the house. His mother had passed away giving birth to him, so he was used to being left in charge. The responsibility was exciting. Shortly after seeing his father off, Leo fell asleep dreaming of all the great adventures he would have when he was grown. But when Leo woke up hours later, he couldn't move. Leo struggled to lift his head, but could only manage an inch or two before freezing again. His muscles twitched with what he thought was exhaustion, but as he pushed against his paralysis, he realized it was something far more primal. It was pure, unadulterated fear, the kind that makes prey freeze before a hunter. Leo pushed through until he managed to lift his head a little higher. It was just enough for him to see the end of the bed. He immediately wished he hadn't. There was a strange feline shape looming there. It was long and languid. Its color was deeper than its shadow. Cold dread washed over Leo. He tried to call for help, but something snatched the sound from his throat. The room felt empty. It was as if all the air had been sucked in by that dark figure. Though the shape had no features, Leo was certain it was menacing and cruel. Like a shadow, the beast drifted up the bed towards him. The closer it got, the colder Leo became. His chest tightened. The darkness that made up its figure swirled and bent. Its bulbous face featured egg-sized eyes and long, pointed ears. A horrible smile broke the darkness, revealing sticky, sharp teeth. The shape crawled up Leo's legs and torso with eerie ease. As it did, Leo noticed its skin was unlike anything he'd ever seen. It was dark like the night sky and had a rippled appearance. Powerless to stop it, Leo stared as it inched closer. When the figure reached his chest, it sat. 
If Leo hadn't known it was Amara yet, he was certain now. He could feel a horrible weight pressing down on his lungs. He whimpered and struggled against the creature's weight, but he was locked in place. He couldn't scream or cry. He could barely even breathe. The Mara leered over him, her large eyes glinting with the last embers of a dying fire. They stared at each other for what felt like an eternity. Leo's breath came in desperate, rasping gasps. When he was certain he would suffocate, she spoke. It sounded the way a winter night felt, cold, dangerous, and unpredictable. Oh, Leo, you promised. Coming up, Leo faces down the nightmare. Hello, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. And we're the hosts of the new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. You may know us from the very creepy and excellent podcast Red Handed, but now we've teamed up with Parcast for an unprecedented look at history's most nefarious groups. Some preach extreme religious practices, others warn of impending doom, and then there are those whose endgame is far more diabolical. Every Tuesday on Sinister Societies, we take a peek behind the curtain and discover the most ominous organizations the world may or may not have known. Learn how entrepreneurial sects made fortunes off their brand, how charismatic cult leaders caught the eye of celebrities, and why strange orders of the extraterrestrial or collegiate kind attract the most unlikely of followers. Some groups convene in the shadows, others operate in plain sight. All are absolutely sinister. Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now back to the story. Leo tried to scream, but his vocal cords remained frozen. The Mara's weight nearly broke his chest in two. It gazed down at him with wide eyes and a too large smile. Her breath was blisteringly cold on his cheek. Her voice was eerie and musical. Whatever shall we do now, Leo? You swore you would keep me at bay, but here I am. Leo sputtered and struggled as he tried to speak. The Mara let out a merry laugh. (laughs) Oh, apologies. She adjusted her footing on his chest, digging her heels into his stomach rather than his sternum. Leo whimpered in a pitch so high it was nearly a scream. The Mara ignored his pain. Speak or don't, we've got all night. Leo took a deep gulp of air. He spoke quickly before it pressed down on him again. You don't want to steal my breath. I'm not yet fully grown. The Mara shook its head. Growth has nothing to do with it. Skepticism. 
Skepticism makes my victim's breath taste extra sweet. Leo shivered. Wolfren had said he could offer it something. Maybe he could find a treat with a similar flavor. Leo had to think fast. What if I get you berries? The Mara pressed her heavy feet down on the bottom of Leo's ribcage. Leo felt something break. There are plenty of berries in the dark places of the world, Leo. Why would I need you to fetch me them? Leo winced as he forced the words through his paralyzed body. What about jam? The Mara turned its head to the side. Jam? Leo would have nodded if he could. From berries picked in the bright morning. You can't fetch that, can you? The Mara considered. She adjusted her weight with each thought. Leo felt like he was at the bottom of the ocean, the weight of the world pressing down. The Mara leaned back on her toes. Finally, the pressure ebbed a little. I suppose I can't fetch that, clever boy. You will bring me two cans of jam tomorrow evening. Then I will press you to death. Leo wanted to tell the Mara that this was not the best method of getting what she wanted, since he'd die either way, but he wasn't in a position to argue. All right, it's a deal. The Mara pulled herself out of her crouch. She edged off the bed, wide eyes still fixed on Leo's frozen ones, until they were all that was left of the eerie figure. Suddenly, with a blink, the Mara was gone. Leo remained paralyzed until the first rays of light beamed through his window. The sun had barely risen when Leo banged on Wolfrin's door. Leo could hardly get the words out. Amara, Amara's after me. Wolfrin's brow furrowed. You turned your shoes and said the prayer? Even in his panic, Leo turned sheepish. I forgot, I know, I know, but it was just this one time. I promised her some jam, so I'll just say the prayer tonight before I go to sleep and all will be well. Wolfrin shook her head. No, no, it's found you now. It will return. You're going to need a lot of jam, a lifetime's worth, unless we can find the real Mara. Leo's heart leapt. What do you mean, the real Mara? Wolfrin sat down. She tapped her finger against her lips as she thought. The Mara's host is always a woman, that much I know. When the Mara enters your room and approaches you, if you call her host's name, the creature will return to its body. Regardless, I'll have to come and help you. The minute the Mara enters your room again, you won't be able to move. Leo shivered at the thought. Believe me, I know. With that, they made a pact. Leo would procure some jam. Wolfrin would sneak out of her house that night to help Leo. And once it was all over, he would never forget the prayer ever again. Leo needed all the jam he could find. His father had left him with no coin, just the general promise that the village's vendors would give him what he needed. This would have been fine if all of them hadn't decided to parent him. They told him again and again. 
No, you can't have that much sweet jam all for yourself, young man. You'll never sleep again. The sellers refused to give Leo the amounts of jam he needed, but he had to find another way. His life depended on it. He thought of the trickster heroes in his father's stories. He had no choice. He had to steal it. Carefully, Leo snuck from stall to stall, house to house, palming any scrap of fruit jelly he could find. While every moment he'd spend with the Mara had seemed to be an eternity, the day slipped away like dust in the wind. He hoped that if he gave the monster enough, Wolfrin would be wrong and the Mara would go away. But he knew better. Wolfrin was never wrong. That was one of the things he loved about her. Exhausted from the day's task, Leo watched the sunset and the moon rise. He pulled his furs up to his chin. He waited for the comforting tap-tap-tap of his friend on the shutters of his first-floor window. But one hour passed. Then another. Where was Wolfrin? Leo fought both panic and exhaustion. His eyelids drooped. Before he could help it, he had drifted off to sleep, his hands gripping his sheets in fearful anticipation. A familiar noise seeped into his dream, a feline slinking shadow sound. He tried to leap out of bed, but the paralysis came too quickly. He was bound in his own body. He stared up at the wooden beams in the ceiling as the Mara mounted the bed and drew closer and closer. The creature settled on his chest and looked down at him. Her eyes were just as bulbous, her smile just as gleaming. But her skin seemed even deeper now, colder and emptier, more hungry. The monster turned to Leo's nightstand, Oh, Leo, is that my jam? He stammered out a, yes. The Mara hopped off him and dove toward the jars. It clapped its shadowy hands together. The contact made no sound. It opened one of the jars and began to eat. How scrumptious. Leo tried to sound calm as he offered, I can get you more, two every day, forever. The Mara shook its head. I'm afraid I'll tire of jam, Leo. I told you I would only wait one night. You've procured the jam. Now the time has come. Leo's eyes darted to and fro as the Mara approached him again. Where was Wolfrin? She'd sworn to protect him, and now he was going to die alone. Leo's body ached as the Mara pressed down again. Every nerve screamed and shook at the contact. His clothes tore under the weight, and he could hear the creaking and cracks of his ribs as they began to give way. His silenced cries of anguish nearly tore his vocal cords in two. The Mara smiled down at him with its wide eyes and sharp teeth. He could feel how slow this would go and how much it would hurt. He had to fight it. 
His mouth was locked tight, but he did what he could to get sound up his throat and through his lips. He strained so hard he thought his jaw would crack, but finally it came. Help! Please! Wolfie! Wolfrin! The Mara paused. It blinked at Leo, confused. Then it backed away. The darkness curved and shifted. It expanded and swallowed up the whole room before closing in on itself, bit by bit. When it reached the size of a pinprick, it slipped through the keyhole and disappeared. Leo was certain he'd have to wait for the sun to return in order to move, but the more he pushed, the more the feeling returned to his nerves. Free of his paralysis, he jumped out of bed toward the window. He threw open the shutters, ready to call Wolfrin's name again. To his shock, she stood right outside his window, frozen in place. Leo was excited at first. She hadn't forgotten about him. She'd come. But his joy turned to horror at Wolfie's trance-like state. She stood, mouth open and a vacant gaze in her eyes. Leo gasped in horror, the truth about the Mara washing over him. Coming up, Leo realizes the Mara might be more familiar than he thinks. Now back to the story. Leo opened the window. He reached through and shook Wolfren. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. She couldn't be Amara, not really. It must have been some horrible curse or spell, but she wouldn't wake. A sudden darkness engulfed Wolfie. Leo shivered. He didn't want to see the horrible creature again. He ducked to the side of the window, out of sight, as the Mara floated down the alley toward its host. He heard a rush of wind. The whole sky darkened and pulsed. Then Wolfren gasped. She stuck her head in the window as if nothing had happened. Has she come yet? Leo was confused. She? Wolfren's large eyes widened, just like the Mara's, round like eggs. Yeah, Leo, the Mara. What happened? Leo didn't want to believe there was a monster inside his friend, but there was no other explanation. You tried to kill me, twice. Wolfie, you're the Mara. Wolfren froze. What? No, no. She shook her head so hard she looked dizzy. That doesn't make sense. I would know, wouldn't I? Leo couldn't believe her. He still remembered the pressing on his chest, the weight of her monstrous feet as they bore into him. And yet he remembered other things too. Wolfren's smile, her warmth. Just now, her confusion and horror when he'd accused her. You really don't remember attacking me? Wolfrin shook her head. Tears streaked down her pale cheeks. I don't, but if I am, I don't want to hurt someone, ever. Please, you have to help me, Leo. Leo shook his head. No, I'm not up to it. I can't deal with that thing again. 
Wolfren looked defiant. I thought you wanted to be a hero like your father. Leo bristled. Heroes have magic weapons and gods on their side. What if your little wards of protection don't work? What if it's all just wishful thinking? Wolfren looked wounded. Then I suffocate everyone I love one by one. You'd let that happen? Leo didn't bother to suppress his anger now. Let it happen to you? Wolfren, I'm your victim. This isn't fair. You're asking too much. Wolfren's eyes were wet, but she didn't cry. Can you live without me? Leo put his hands on his hips. He wanted to stomp away, but he didn't. No, I, I guess I can't. But what can we do? Wolfren didn't know. The next evening, Leo went to bed early. He got into his nightclothes and waited for a tap on the window. He opened it up to find a very nervous Wolfren. He helped her step inside. They sat a foot apart on his bed. She avoided his eyes. I asked my mother, if a house has seven boys or seven girls, one of them is bound to become Amara. And, well, our little sister Hilda was just born, and she's the seventh girl. Wolfren paused. You'll call me back to my body, right, Leo? You won't let anything happen to me? Leo's heart softened, seeing Wolfie so shaken up. I do promise, Wolfie, because that's what heroes did. They lay back on his bed, hands intertwined, watching the window in silence. Then night fell. A soft wind blew through the house. Leo tried to stay awake as long as he could. He watched Wolfrin's gray eyes in the dark until he couldn't see an inch in front of him. He woke up when the moon was high in the sky. Leo realized suddenly he couldn't move. He also couldn't speak, which meant he couldn't call Wolfrin's name. Leo fought his body as the shadows deepened. A cloud passed over the moon. He felt Wolfren go still beside him. The Mara appeared at the end of his bed. He struggled harder. The Mara laughed. <laughs> oh, little hero, what shall I do with you? Leave you in bed for you to be found, I think. Perhaps I'll return to her body just before you die. Give you your last breath with her. That's quite kind of me, considering the inconvenience. Yes, I like that plan. She pushed her feet against Leo's chest. He gasped and struggled, but his throat only closed faster. His body wouldn't respond. The pain was unbearable. His vision closed in to fuzzy light and dark. His lungs burned. His chest was caving in on itself. It bent and cracked under the strange weight of the Mara. Leo tried to force Wolfrin's name through his closed lips and gritted teeth, but the Mara wouldn't allow it. Uh-uh, not yet, my darling. I have to keep my promise. 
The Mara's feet felt red hot above him. She sat with her arms in front of her, studying his face as he struggled. She didn't need anything but her own weight to destroy him. Leo heard his bones crack. His body went completely numb. Blood filled up the empty cavity the air had fled. He was dying. Maybe he was already dead, but there was no greater pain than knowing he wouldn't see Wolfren again. She would have no one else to share her secret with, no one else to stop her from becoming a monster. Tears filled his eyes as he silenced his mind, making one last special promise. Wolfren, I'm so sorry. I'll always love you. Leo heard a faraway voice calling to him, but it was too late. He knew it was. His vision darkened and flickered. But then the darkness receded. He felt soft lips on his, then the softest, slightest breath. Oxygen rushed back into his starved lungs. He gasped. The shadows lifted and dawn appeared. The Mara was gone. Wolfren cradled his face and smiled. Leo gasped with recognition. The Mara had disappeared because he had called Wolfren's name, not aloud, but in his mind. I told you, Leo, and all along you thought our special promises didn't work. Leo laughed. It hurt, but it was worth it. Wolfren kissed him softly, then he kissed her back. They stopped every now and then when his ribs twinged, but he didn't care. Leo stayed awake the next night, and the next, and the next after that. They made sure that Wolfren slept before he did, and they never slept apart. He called her name each time the Mara emerged. He resolved to be her hero for the rest of their lives. In five years or so, they married. Wolfren gave birth to a beautiful baby girl with wild, dark hair and moonlit pale skin. Leo loved his wife and daughter with all his heart. But he always switched his shoes and said his prayer to ward off Mara's. After all, Wolfie was still a monster. Mythical monsters stand in for a primal fear or cultural taboo. Nightmares are unique, however, because they come in many forms. The Mara reflects this same complexity as its very conception has changed over time. Early Northern Europeans said that the Mara was a demon or a creature, something with as little connection to humanity as possible. This gave the monster a primordial quality. The fear of night, death, and helplessness merged into one form. It was more like a fae and could be kept at bay through folk traditions. Victims chanted rhymes of protection. They urged the Mara to count every blade of grass before attacking them. 
Later, as tales of witchcraft grew more prevalent, Maras were said to be the servants of witches, or even witches themselves. Putting a human face on the Mara could soften its impact, but thinking that evil hid in your next-door neighbor's body is also terrifying. But this connection between the Mara and a real person did give rise to stories that used the monster bride archetype. In these, young men would trap the Mara overnight, and in the morning she'd reveal herself to be a beautiful woman. In the end, he might marry her and even have children, but he was only able to keep her for so long. When the keyhole or crack where she entered was opened again, she escaped into the darkness. Like the real physical responses the Mara represents, her monstrous ways can't be fully eliminated. After all, nightmares are entirely beyond your control. You can only pray that you aren't one of the people who experience sleep paralysis-based nightmares. For once the Mara takes its seat, it never wants to get off. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with a new season, Monsters of Disease. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jen Rache, with writing assistance by Wendelin Sabroso, Stacey Nemec, and Nora Battelle, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You aren't supposed to know about them, unless they want you to. Powerful groups with their own very specific agendas. And if you find yourself on the inside, good luck getting out. Hi, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. Join us every Tuesday for our new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. Whether it's doomsday predictions, deadly greed or world domination, each week we're exposing the beliefs and actions of the most ominous organisations the world may or may not have known. Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify.